0: I will hold on to your promise. You will not abandon me. I am safe. I am safe. Amen. Amen. You may want to go to our YouTube channel and find this worship service of so these two this morning and replay that, um, all of those wonderful declarations that we have sung this morning about who He is and all of His names and who we are to Him. Amen. 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 Let the redeemed of the Lord, let the rescued of the Lord say so. Amen. 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 There is a word, I believe, from the heart of the Lord for us this morning. And it is this. The chain breaker is in the house. The chain breaker is in the house. Jesus and your freedom. Jesus and your freedom. Proverbs 23 verse 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man Thinks in his heart, so is he. Thoughts can be powerful things. How you think about yourself, conclusions that you have drawn about who you are, who God is, who other people are, dependencies because our thoughts have convinced us that we need this, that we've got to have that. Attitudes, perspectives, logical patterns of thought that may or may not be accurate, but they're strong, and they can be changed. As a man or as a woman, thinks in her heart, thinks in his heart. So is he. So is she. But what if our thinking is wrong? What if our thinking is messed up? What, what if our conclusions are not accurate? What if we have chains, chains, emotional, mental, attitudinal chains that are doing three things. They are so powerful that we can't shake them. They are stronger than we are. Because if we were able in our own power to break them, to release ourselves from them, We'd have done it a long time ago. Chains have the ability to bind. That's what a chain is for, to restrict, to bind, to hold in place. A chain can bind you because it's stronger than you. A chain... Owns you, owns you, because it has determined your past and is determining your present and threatens to determine your future. Owned by something heartless, owned by something cold and cruel, Owned by something powerful. Now stay with me. We're going to get to the good part, but we've got, to, we've got to think about the bad before we can appreciate the good. Jesus is the chain breaker. A chain in your mind, a chain with an attitude, a with chain with a dependency has the power of binding us has the ability to own us and has the capacity of robbing us, of robbing us of the life and the destiny of blessing and favor from the Lord. But folks, I'm here to tell you, no matter what your chain is, no matter, no matter what it's what it's chained, what you're chained to. Or how strong your chain has contained itself around your thinking and feeling and emoting and choosing. No matter what the chain is, one of the wonderful names of Jesus that we would put in our language and understand, Jesus is the chain breaker. Let me tell you how we get that, where we come from with that. And I pray that the Lord will just speak this with with such strong and clear arms of his love into your heart and hope into your heart that you just won't be able to escape it. If, if the chain has dominated, here comes the great dominator, and his name is the Lord Jesus by his Spirit. Isaiah chapter 61, Jesus read from in Nazareth early in his ministry as he began his public ministry. And he said, as he read from Isaiah, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted, good news to the suffering, good news to the ones pressed down with weights too great for them to lift. He sent me, he's anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted, to bind up the brokenhearted, And he has sent me to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners. He's saying, and as he spoke to the group listening to him at the synagogue in Nazareth that day, he says, today these words are fulfilled in your hearing. I am the one anointed. I am the one endued with specific and supernatural power to do the following things. And one of those things he specifically listed is to set captives free, to proclaim to prisoners freedom. That's about breaking chains. That's about setting captives free. Now, now before somebody just checks out on me, because you've been in church all your life, okay, you've been in church since the nursery, you say, well, I'm, I'm not bound up by what, by all of these other things that all these poor folks who need to get set free may be bound up in. But when you check your own inventory of your own heart, you realize they're just some people <laughs> that when the name comes up, you just want to spit. When, they, when the name comes up, just fire can come up from, or there can be a place of resentment that just lingers and lingers and lingers and cooks in you. We can poke you and a verse of scripture comes out. We can poke the other side of you and you can hit a note of amazing grace. But the truth is chains, chains of unforgiveness Chains of fear. Fear. Chains that would that, that would that would bind you to the past and, uh, and, and not not be able to believe the Lord for the best in the future. So, so this, this thing about Jesus being the chain breaker. It isn't just for drug addiction. It's not just for alcohol addiction. It's not just for the opioid involvement. It's it's not just for for folks hooked on this, that, or the other. It it is those things, thank the Lord. But it's white-collar stuff, too. It's sitting in the church pew stuff. Where am I stuck? Where have I got something that has me by the wrist in my emotions? and, And I can't get away from that. Okay, the good news is that Jesus doesn't want to just leave us as captives. He will bring about circumstances and seasons in our lives for the purpose of identifying and showing us where we're bound. Not so that we can stay stuck, but so that he can set this captive free. So could, could we just agree... Privately, quietly before the Lord, but on purpose, intentionally, to say, Lord, show me where I'm bound. Show me the chains in my life. It gives you sometimes you can get so comfortable with chains around your wrists in a particular area of your life that, you've, that we give up. We just think we're supposed to live the rest of our life. That, that, that is normal being bound is normal. When it is abnormal, when it comes to what the Lord wants his sheep to experience as free, walking in forgiveness, walking in mercy, walking with an open and generous heart, walking without the things of this world and the appetites and the dependencies of, of, the, of the world around us having to own us, own us. You say, well, I've been a Christian so long I ought not to be struggling with that. Well, how, how well is that working for you? <laughs> so, I've been a Christian for 15 years, 20 years, 30 years, and I ought to be not to be struggling with that. But we are, and we do, and we have, and the chain's still there. It, it may be carrying a Bible, you know. It may be raising hands and work. But I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to make us feel guilty of stuff we don't need to be guilty about. It. But what I am saying is, what if there is a whole dimension, a further dimension of living where the Lord really wants, wants us to know what it is for the joy of his freedom? Let me tell you, this this is, this is powerful. When Jesus said, this is my church, this is is my church, it's the ones who have received from the Father the revelation of who I am, that I am Christ, the Son of the living God. He said to Peter, you didn't come up with that on your own. You you, You came to that conclusion because my Father, by His Spirit, showed that to you. And He said, it's upon that rock of who I am, that I will build my ecclesia, my church. We, we put the word in there, church, but the word literally is ecclesia. It's a Greek word. It had to do with, with, with the, the Greek polity, the Greek way of governing things, and it meant, here's what ecclesia meant then, and we're to appreciate it now. It, say, it meant the assembly of freedmen. The assembly of free people, Greek citizens, but free within the confines of the Greek government, not bound, not not afraid of a taskmaster, but free. Jesus is saying, my church, my true church is supposed to be made up, not of a bunch of people bound up and withered away with and weighted down by all the rules and regulations of man-made restrictions. My people, my church is going to may be made up of people who are free and know they're free and operate according to the authority of their freedom. Amen. So when Jesus said, I'm coming, I've been sent to set the captives free and to keep my people free. And he's meaning that that is an ongoing operation. That is something he wants to keep on doing in our lives. Paul would write, now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom. There is liberty. That that, that word is a very interesting word. It, 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 means, it means freedom, it means liberty, but it also means independence, not having to be dependent upon anything or any person other than the Lord himself. Now that doesn't preclude relationships that we will have with folks we love within the body of Christ and family and so forth. But the greatest positioning of our dependency is not on people because people can die and go to heaven. Do I have a witness? You know, things can change with people. Geographic locations can change with people, but he never changes. He never leaves. He never forsakes us. He never goes away. Our dependency is upon him. Free in our dependence upon him. But it is the opposite. It's opposite of the word that can be translated slavery. And it means a state of depend- of dependence. It, 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 means, it means having to follow a prescri- prescribed order. So I'm setting up and calling them the opposites. The freedom is not having to be de- dependent upon anything. Walking in liberty, having been set free, and it means that no longer am I forced to live, in a, to, to obey, or my life would be ordered by a prescribed order of life or behavior. You, 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 you patch into that the drug addiction, the alcohol addiction, the opioid problem, all of those kinds of things, a, a forced prescribed order. It's not freedom, it's slavery. Where the spirit of the Lord is, however, there is freedom. He moves to set the captives free of a prescribed order of behavior that is not profitable, that is not his heart. He moves in to do that. But but he also, when we take it into the Christian context, we know the Lord now. We've been walking with the Lord, wanting to walk with the Lord. But we've got these these patterns, these orders, these ways of thinking that just keep coming up, that just seem to keep dominating, but they are not reflective of freedom. They're reflective of fear and bondage and being under a taskmaster. And I'm telling you folks, one of the greatest enemies to who Jesus was and what he stood for was the religious system of the day because he didn't fit into their patterns. They wanted it prescribed and ordered and predictable, and he came in and just blew all our hats in the creek. And he was God in the flesh. He will do that similar kind of thing inside us, setting us free from the opinions of people, from the man-made religious structure around us, more rules than freedom. And sometimes he allows us to enter into seasons in our lives where that system or those systems are challenging us and we've got to make a decision. Are we going to go with the chains? Are we going to go with the freedom? Are we going to settle in on the Lord's work to set us free? Or have we become so familiar with our chains that we opt for the chains rather than for freedom? I want to just say to you, God's doing a work in many hearts, many listening, wherever you may be in our streaming family, but a whole bunch of folks right here in San Antonio, God is doing a work of setting captives free in dimensions and in areas of our lives that maybe we have never thought that we could live free. How does he set you free? By the work of his spirit. He can change your appetite. He can change you want to. He'd move in to where you just lose your taste for it. Do I have a witness? A bunch of you clothed in your right mind this morning, sitting here and not buried in some grave six feet under because the Lord changed your appetite. You were eating and drinking and chasing stuff that was killing you. And he changed your appetite. He set the captive free by shifting the appetite. Sometimes he sets the captive free By just geographically relocating that which you had been bound to. She, he, or it is in another state now. They left, you stayed, but in the part of that, you wonder, God, my life's falling apart. And the Lord's saying, it needs to fall apart. Stuff needs to come loose. I'm setting my captive free. You're better off without that than you were when you had it steps of a good man, woman, ordered by the Lord. And he delights in their way. When I fall or when he falls, he will not cast head, be cast on, because the Lord is the one who's holding his hand and holding her hand. He has ways of setting the captive free. But, and, and we'll read this in a moment. But the truth, he says in, in John 8, the truth will set you free. Knowing the truth about a situation will set you free. Sometimes as that settles in, I've been believing a lie. I've adopted a wrong conclusion. That's not who I am in the sight of the Lord. Well, that person's been lying to me, using me, abusing me in the sense of not, not allowing my freedom. Therefore, I call it a lie, and I renounce the lie coming out of those mouths, and I reject it sets the captive free. That's what he does. He sets the captive free. Now a captive is going to be a stranger to deep joy, deep satisfaction, deep peace, a sense of worth. A captive has a hard time with any of those things, but someone who is set free, being set free by the work of the Lord. there is a gravitation toward joy. There's a gravitation toward fulfillment. There's a gravitation toward that which is right and good. And there's peace and there's life in it. Jesus said, I came to set the captives free. I've come to turn the prisoners loose. And he's a specialist at it. He's a specialist at it. I want to just show you, find John chapter 8, if you would, with me. Gospel of John, chapter 8, words of Jesus. Verse 31. We'll just read his words. If you abide in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. If you are are holding on to, if you're clinging to, if you are living Trying to live in my word, what I've said, then you are true to disciples of mine. And then he says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Jesus would say in John chapter fourteen, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Jesus is the embodiment. He's the embodiment of truth. But from that place of the embodiment of truth will come specific words of truth, directives of truth, instructions of truth, warnings of truth, blessings of truth. And it's the truth, it's the truth emanating from Jesus but flowing forth from his heart and mind for you that will set you free and keep you free. Jesus didn't die on the cross for junk. Jesus died on the cross for those he saw as a treasure, those he saw as a blessing. When he died on the cross for you and for me, he saw us as what we would be without the chains contaminating and limiting and owning our souls. So when I receive Jesus, when you receive Jesus into your heart, you're receiving into your life into your soul, into your spirit, the embodiment of truth. And as Jesus gains more ground in our hearts and lives and minds, as he establishes more of his loving control and operation in greater areas of our lives, what is the evidence of that, what is the residue of that, is that we have the sense that we are living in greater freedom, Freedom and not more and more restriction. That we There's a sense that if the Lord puts something in our heart, we will speak it rather than being scared to death if we spoke something we might mess up. There's the press more to to, to long not to miss something, miss out on something, than there is the fear of making a mess of things. It's that we realize that he knows who we are. He knows what he got when he got you and me. He, by his presence inside us, is making his presence more and more and more known. You look at somebody who is truly walking with Jesus, truly walking with the author of liberty, and you will not find a person older and older in that journey with a sense of being scared to death, scared to express, scared to love, scared to mess up, always restrictive, always... They may not have very much. They may not have a big fancy everything, but you look into their eyes, and you're looking into the soul of somebody whose heart has been set free, and there's joy. They may not have been driving the same car for the last 25 years, but you look into their eyes, and then that, that you can tell that there's so things, so, many, so much more important, blessing so much greater than that vehicle that they've got, the miracle that the four tires still have air in it. But that's not, that's not the essence of how they see themselves. They see themselves as a child of the king, blood-bought, picked out, chosen, wanted by the God of heaven, free, free knowing that they are loved by him, knowing that they've been forgiven by him, knowing that they are a picked out, wanted child of his, and the freedom. Of that kind of love animates and dominates their lives. I, I, you know, it's it's sad to see someone who says they've known the Lord all these years, but you look at them and they just look like they're still under a taskmaster. They still look—they're scared, look like they're worried, like they're afraid. They don't know, no, 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 no. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is an operating work of setting captives free—freedom from fear, freedom from condemnation, freedom from all of the things that can cause us to look heavy. Yes, there'll be times when circumstances are such that our hearts cry out, our hearts break, we cry out unto the Lord, but we don't stay there because in that place he meets us and he heals our brokenhearted place and he is continuing to set the captives free. So who is it with the attitude that you have toward that one, who is it who owns you, Christian? What set of circumstances going on in your life, own you. What if the Lord today would be saying to us, bring me your chains, bring me your chains. Ask me to set the captive free, and you trust me to do it. You say, I could never forgive, I could never forgive, I could never, that's right, you and I never can forgive the way that he would want us to forgive. But what if he, by his Spirit, has come to set the captive up to an unforgiving Spirit that just can't release that one who offended us back unto the Lord, but with the help of the Spirit? It doesn't mean that all of a sudden what they did to us is all of a sudden not that bad. It may be ten times worse than we ever knew. But we're realizing that for me to carry that unforgiveness and that resentment is death and not life. And forgiveness means that I release, I release that one who has done those things or that situation or setting. I'm giving that to you, Lord. I'm releasing that to you. The conveying of that truth has the ability to work freedom into our hearts. That pleases his spirit, and his spirit is doing the work of freedom. You look back through some of the greatest crossroads in your life, some of the greatest challenges, some of the greatest mental difficult times in your life. And at the time you were going through it, you might not have seen it as a work of freedom. But I'm telling you, many of you months or years after that season came and went You look back into that situation and you realize what you were in the middle of and what was coming against you and what was controlling you and you realize now that the way it turned out, God, by his love for you, his spirit at work, was setting you free. The places that you have now that you can freely journey to. The attitudes, atmosphere that you can have within your heart now are incredibly different than what you had then. It was closed in, It was controlled. It was shut down. But the Lord, using a circumstance that you couldn't control and couldn't get out of, but in that place, he was allowing all of that to work together for good in your life. What was the good? To set you free. Set you free. To set you free. Let me show you, if I could, another verse. This is in the book of Romans. Just to, just to keep it clear in our minds that this is an ongoing work of the Lord, that this matter of being set free is not something all of which is going to completely be wrapped up at the time we receive Jesus as Savior and Lord. It is a process. It is a journey. There's some things that he wasn't working on 15 years ago in your life that he's working on now because it's time. It's time for you to get free in that area. So here here is, this is Romans 12, verse 1. I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, the whole of yourself, as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual Service of worship. That's another whole series of sermons we won't get into this morning. But look at verse 2. And do not be conformed, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. The idea back at the start of verse 2 is that the world has a way of pressuring us in specific and certain and designed directions of thought, of thought, conformed to the world into the way that the world thinks. The, way that we, the reason we know that is that he says in the second part, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. By the trans, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, there's going to be a different way of thinking that the world around you operates in than the way of thinking that the people of God are to walk and operate in. Be transformed. The word transformed It is that word that we get metamorphosis from. It's where that caterpillar crawls out on a limb, spins a cocoon, it goes in a caterpillar, comes out of what? A butterfly or a moth. It it means a total transformation to the better of our minds. If if, if the Bible didn't mean it, why did it say it? If, If it wasn't possible... For your mind and the way you and I think to be adjusted, to be altered by the power of the God who stepped out of nothing and said, let there be, and all the lights came on and the universe began to function. Transformed in our minds, transformed in our way of thinking transformed with our conclusions. If the conclusions are wrong, he has the power to show us the right conclusion and the ability to convince us with his logic of what is true, transformed, metamorphosized into a new mind. Well, now, how is that supposed to happen? Glad you asked that question. Turn to Titus, keep going, leave Romans, Romans 12 and, and find Find the book of Titus, Titus chapter 3 and verse 5 for 4, Titus 3 verse 4. Here's, here's what's written, verse 4, but when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, now watch this, he saved us, he rescued us, he, he did something at the cross he made the cross real to us we came to believe Jesus is savior and lord that was that was the beginning point of the saving he saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness but watch this but according to his mercy and here's the expression of his mercy the mercy is not something we earned mercy is something we don't deserve mercy is blessings that we get in the face of our our inability to deserve any part, have earned any part of what God would, give, would want to give us. He saved, has done in, in righteousness, but according to his mercy, these two things, by the washing of regeneration, by the washing of a new birth, he puts a new person inside, inside us, the creature, creation that we are in Christ now, and then, and renewing by the Holy Spirit. Renewing, it's a verbal form. Renewing, not renew all, as if it happened back then. It's the idea that here is how the ongoing saving of God, rescuing of us from the world and from our past and from all the stuff that can bind us, it happens by the renewing of the Holy Spirit, by the renewing of the work of the Spirit of Jesus. You say, I've still got chains. I've still got these chains. I've been in church all my life. Well, have you ever asked Jesus to break that chain? Or have you just been going to church and hoping that by osmosis you'd get a little good working? The church can't change anything. The church can't rescue us. But the resurrected power of Jesus the Christ can't be stopped on his mission. Renewing the renewing the renewing, taking from a former condition and being renovated and redone qualitatively into a brand new edition, transformed by the renewing of our minds. Okay, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to mess somebody up, but I, I just I hope you I hope you'll weather it, hope you'll make it through this. When this was written, there were no published copies of the Scriptures, transformed by the renewing of our minds. Some would say, I just need to absorb myself in the Scripture. If I just get Scripture, 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 that's what Paul was talking about. That couldn't have been what he was talking about because the Scriptures had not been published. The New Testament had not even been completed. So what was he talking about? Not saying that it it is wrong, because we're doing that this morning. What does the scripture promise that is the heart of God for us to renew our minds? But if we approach it just as an academic, I'm gonna memorize all the verses on self-control. I'm gonna memorize every verse I come across on marital fidelity. I'm gonna memorize everything I can on, on anger management. And you can end up being more frustrated than when you started. Because those are standards, those are things that we can't live up to even as Christians unless the Spirit of Jesus alive in us enables us to do that. So by desperation, this is what he was saying. You desperately, because you need him to transform your mind, you seek the Spirit of Jesus to do what only he can do. That's why I'm asking the question. So you say, I've got to. I've got a chain in my life. Who have you asked to help you with it? Who have you asked to set you free? Christian friends, they can pray, they can sympathize, they can say things that help them. What happened when they were in the beginning, beginning to be set free? But what if the loving heart of the Savior, looking out across his sheep this morning, he's just saying, ask me. Ask me. Ask me. By my spirit to break the chain and set the captive free, because I am the one who is only the only one who can do it. But it's in my heart to do it for you. See, don't don't get don't get messed don't get this thing mixed up that talking to Christian friends about your burden is the same thing as talking to Jesus. It's not. And sometimes the Lord will just let the counsel and advice and had been prayer, prayed for us for others to, to, to seem to dissipate and even fail, because he's saying, "I want you to come straight to me. What did I tell you that I came for this very purpose, to set the captives free, to turn prisoners loose and in this place? Well, you're bound, you see it now, you realize it, and the truth is that it's bondage and not freedom. I invite you to the throne of grace. I invite you to the throne of mercy. I invite you to step into my presence, believing that I died for your sins, knowing exactly what I got when I got you. But I loved you anyway, and I'm wanting you to experience my personal, practical power in your life ask me. Break my chains, Jesus. Break my chains. See, there's a a place of humbling ourselves there. And I'm just telling you, it's the truth. Sometimes we think because we know all the verses that that means we have had conveyed to us all of the power. No. No. As I said earlier, sometimes Knowing more of the Bible can leave you more frustrated if we don't connect the two dots. What is the connection of the two dots? The revelation of God's Word and who we are. It is the outpouring and the work of the Spirit of Jesus making the Word of the Lord tangible, real, palatable, operational in our lives. Desperately, desperately, consistently. And with a humble heart, Lord, by your Spirit, break this chain. Break this chain. Break this chain of thoughts. Break this chain of conclusions. Break this chain of lies working in me. Break this chain. Now, he may may do it all of a sudden. He may give you a sense, give you a whiff, give give you just kind of a fragrance of what's going on. And it's the process that begins. And you stay with it. You keep praying, it, Lord, break this chain. You see, some of us, we, we, we quit struggling with the, you know, the alcohol, the drugs, the, all that stuff a long time ago. So we thought the big stuff dealt with, the big things are already done with. When he's wanting to say, but there is this one place in your heart, this one place in your heart, that when it operates, it grieves me. I, 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 it, when it comes up, it's, it, it's, it's not going to send you to hell. It's not going to cut you off from, from being a part of the family, but it grieves my spirit. And I want to set you free there. I want you to know freedom from the top of your head to your toenails in your boots and everywhere in between. Because I came to set captives free. And in the place of freedom, there is joy. In the place of freedom, there is hope. In the place of freedom, there is a generous heart that wants to give and bless away. Okay? Came to set the captives free. What's your chain? What's your chain? What's your chain? Lord, I bring it to you. I confess the sin of any agreement with that chain. I confess the sin of operating in a place of less than where you want me to be, and I just give it to you, and I ask you to break it. I ask you to show me your power to set the captive free. Some folks say, well, I want to see a revival. I want to see a revival. You know, sometimes the greatest revival can be when he does something in your heart that nobody else maybe has even known about. But it's that place of freedom and that place of life and that place of joy that you know today is different than yesterday because it's different in your mind. Can he affect our thoughts? Are we just a prisoner to our thoughts? Are we just a, on a pinball machine, just knocked around all by? we can't control our thoughts? We can't necessarily, but he can, and Paul would write that we, we are able through prayer by the power of the Spirit to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. How about that? So, Lord, bring it. Lord, do it. Now, I want to finish up. I want to mention two or three examples of chains that Jesus broke chains that the power of God broke the first one the first one I want you to just look quickly with me at Matthew chapter Matthew chapter 9 and this is the chain of a rebellious life how Jesus broke the chain of a rebellious life and there's some of us I hope we'd be able to say I'm that that was me, a rebellious life. But this one, this one, is, this one isn't like way out there kind of um, in, in all sorts of behavioral aberrance. This, this is about somehow in its own form a man who had reached a level of respectability within a certain uh, group of the culture in which he lived in, but it was, it was a rebellious lifestyle. Verse 9, Matthew 9, verse 9. And as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting in the tax office. And he said to him, repent, get baptized, give $5,000 to my ministry. You see that? I'm just checking to see if you're looking at your copy of the scripture. What did he say? Where we have no background other than just the statement, follow me, follow me. Still a tax collector, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And it happened that as he was reclining at the table, Jesus reclining at the table in Matthew's house, behold, many tax gatherers and sinners came. And we're dining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, religious police, index finger about 48 inches long, full choke barrel. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why is your te- or teacher eating with the tax gatherers and sinners? But When he heard this, he said, It is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. But you go and learn what this means. And Jesus quoted Scripture to the Scripture experts. I desire compassion and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous but sinners. Now, in the same way that Jesus set a runaway, a man driven by runaway passions free, Saul of Tarsus. He did the same thing with this man named Matthew who was living a rebellious life. Jesus just showed up. Saul of Tarsus is on his way to Damascus. You remember that story? He had been taught to hate the followers of the way, followers of Jesus. He had been taught to hate Gentiles. And he thought he was pursuing the mission that would be admirable in the sight of God. Passions worked up inside him, blind to the cost to families, children, parents, as he threw them in prison and so forth. Blind to what was how God was looking down upon the stoning death of Stephen when he held the coats of the older ones who were throwing the stones. And on the way to Damascus, a light brighter than the sun interrupted his journey. You remember this. Who are you, Lord? And the answer was, I am Jesus. I am Jesus why are you persecuting me, Saul? To Matthew, to Matthew, who was living out a life that was at the lowest of the moral rung, despicable in his professional choice, despicable in his moral life. The the conclusion was there's nothing worse than a tax gatherer, and we've Spent a good bit of time over the years identifying. You pick out who is your most morally despicable profession or what is your most morally despicable lifestyle, and you take that name or those names, and everywhere you see tax gatherer in the New Testament, you insert your name. And Jesus walked up to one of them and said, follow me. Jesus steps into Saul of Tarsus, runaway passion life, with that chain owning him, I am Jesus. I am Jesus. Folks, it's not somebody else who has the power to break chains. It's not an angel. It's not Mary. It's not the president of some denominational group. There's only one name that's above every other name. Only one name that represents all authority. He acts when he chooses to act. No one can stop him when his mercy calls him forth. And he said to Saul of Tarsus, I am Jesus. He says to Matthew, follow me. Follow me. Well, a religious crowd takes off on Jesus. What is your, what is your leader Spending an evening with this known reprobate. Jesus was saying, he could have in effect been saying, I I didn't come to help anybody who felt like they had no chains to be broken. But I've come to set captives free. And that one Matthew, Levi, and he ended up writing the longest gospel in your whole New Testament Jesus saw something of Matthew without his chains that nobody else could see because all they saw were his chains. Saul was seen as the instrument who would be used of the Lord as the apostle to the Gentiles, even though he had been brought up to hate Gentiles. He had been taught that Jesus was a a fraud, was a fake, because cursed is any man who hangs on the tree, quoted Moses. But as time went on, that chained evidence that it was broken because then later Paul was able to say, I glory in the cross. I glory in the cross because it was there that he did take my sins in his body on the tree. I glory in the cross. He is the chain breaker. Talking to somebody who's listening to this. Don't know where you are, but you're a part of our streaming family. Could be somebody here in this group, in this room. But somebody out there. Somebody out there. I'm telling you, my friend. Jesus is inviting you. He's beckoning you to ask him to break your chain because he loves you, because he sees who you are minus your chains. He sees who you are in the place of freedom, and that's what he calls you. But he'll not knock the door down of your heart. He invites you to ask him, Jesus. And it's simple. It's simple. Jesus, break my chains. Jesus, break my... No, I don't deserve it. I can't make you do it, but please, Jesus. Break my chain. Freddy Garcia, a man who started a street ministry here in San Antonio years ago, he stood in this pulpit at one time, and he said, I'll tell you my prayer, I'll tell you where it all started with me. Drug addict, running the streets, trash in his life, and he knew it. And this was his salvation prayer. Jesus, give me a break. Jesus, give me a break. He said he sensed at that moment in time that some, somehow that was heard. And transformation within him began to operate. And it ended up in a ministry. Fred is now in heaven. But it ended up with a, in a ministry. And there were thousands, of, if you're not tens of thousands of individuals that were affected right here in San Antonio because of what God and how God answered that prayer to break my chains. Give me a break. Give me a break. You say, well, I've known the Lord 45 years. you still got chains. Folks who know you say, yeah, they got, I got a chain. I can tell you where their chain is. This name comes up and they freak out. This situation happens and they go nuts. The Lord hadn't given us a spirit of fear. But of love and of power and a sound mind. you got a chain. He's a chain breaker. He specializes in breaking chains. But we got to be, we got to get less comfortable with being bound and more of a desire to be free or those chains will stay there until they put us six feet under. Go into heaven, but, but bound. No, let's don't do that, folks. Let's don't do that. Lord, I thank you for your presence with us today. I thank you for for honoring Your Word as we've opened Your Word and read Your Word. I thank You for Your Spirit being at work. Lord, I bless You that Your Spirit is working in, in, in homes, in hotel rooms, in backyards, in, in, in pickup trucks, wherever Your people are gathered. And folks You care about and love are gathered all over this place and are hearing this Word. And this is our collective, albeit individual, prayer. Break my chains, Jesus. I can't do it. I can't stop it. I can't change it. I can't quit it. I'm bound in this place, and I ask you, please, to break my chain. In the name of Jesus, amen. 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 Now I don't know what he's doing, but I'm telling you, he's doing something right now. Open your heart, say yes, and keep crying out, Jesus, break my chain. As he breaks, he fills. When he breaks the bad, he fills with the good of his presence. And that's that's our hope. That's our hope. Can I ask you to stand with me if you're here in this room? here in San Antonio, Alamo City. If you're listening, and I'm just so grateful for the way you love and support and pray for and respond, our streaming family, Pastor Walker at if there's anything that we can be praying with you about, please, like so many before you have done, let us have an email with that address so that we can pray with you. But I'm just telling you, somebody needs to just open your heart up right now. You're ready. You're ready to receive Christ as your Savior. You don't need another five minutes. You don't need another sermon. You don't need to go to a church. You don't need to get with a preacher. Right where you are, Jesus is where you are. Receive him. Jesus, I receive you into my heart as my Savior. Jesus, break my chains. Jesus, break my chains. As you prayed that prayer and as you sensed that evidence that he's doing something in your life, would you just text or email us and let us know so we can pray with you? Because this this place is full of folks like that. Amen? That there's been a place where the Lord met us and it was just a simple cry, but it was from our hearts and that has made all the difference. Lord, thank you for the time. Thank you for your presence. Bless your word to the hearts of your people by your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Prayer partners, please join us here at the front if you would. If we can pray with you, we're ready. We are ready. If there's a chain that you need further prayer to be prayed through with you, we'd love to do that. We don't have any power, but we know the one who does. And we'll go with you into his presence and trust him. Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for being a part of our time today.